and he would do anything to stop her from crying. In a cracked voice, barely more than a whisper, he heard himself say, I love you. His mother's hand flew to her mouth. She stood hunched in the cabin. We're about to eat sandwiches. Moving to the steps, she spoke brightly, but her voice trembled. Why don't you come up when you're ready? He nodded. With a last, eager smile, his mother climbed to the hatch, and her body was consumed by sunlight. The boy's heel thudded against the clasp of the toolbox beneath his berth. He pulled out the metal box and tipped open the lid to reveal his father's tools. Rasps, pliers, a spirit level. Tacks and nails, a chisel slick with grease. Lifting the top tray, the heavier tools were revealed. A saw, a screwdriver, a peen hammer. The varnish on the handle of the hammer was worn away. The wood was rough, its mottled head pounded to a dull grey. He lifted it, felt its weight in his palm. Clenching the hammer in his fist, he stooped beneath the bulkhead. In the last couple of years he'd grown so much taller. To listen to the clink of plastic plates, his parents' animated voices on the deck. "'Sandwiches are ready!' called his mother. Every night he had the same dream, like a terrible premonition. His parents passed him on the street without a glance, as if they were total strangers. Sooner or later he knew this nightmare would become a reality. The resentment they felt that their child had gone forever, replaced by somebody else, someone ugly inside, would chip away at their love for him. Until there was nothing left and he was afraid that his own fierce love for them was slowly rotting, corroded by blame and bitterness. One day, when it was gone completely, other emotions would fill the desolate space inside him. Fury, rage, a cold, implacable hatred. Already he felt anger swelling like a storm where his love had been. He couldn't bear to hate them yearned to keep his love for his parents and his memories of a happy time before he went to that place, uncorrupted, and to carry it with him into an uncertain future. And so he had to act. Gripping the hammer, the boy moved towards the hatch, his view filled with the blinding grey of the sky and the blur of the wheeling gulls, which screamed a warning to him that this world would always snatch from him the things he cherished, that life would always be this way. He stepped onto the wind-blown deck in the middle of a sea that went on forever. Slap. 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 Chapter 2 Present Day Everybody wanted a piece of Detective Inspector Ray Drake. He circled the room, accepting handshakes and backslaps until there was no one left to congratulate him. Soon, he hoped, they'd all get too drunk to remember he was there and he'd be able to slip away. He was being selfish, he knew that, but large social gatherings like this made him uncomfortable, particularly when he was in the spotlight. 
If she were here, Laura would tell him to leave right away, not to worry about what anybody else thought. Detective Constable Eddie Upson was already well on the way to getting pissed. Waving his pint around, he cornered Drake to moan about missing out on promotion. It's not like I haven't delivered. Lager slopped belligerently over the lip of his pint. You know what I can do. Excuse me a moment, Eddie. At the back of the room, clinging to the wall beneath a curled poster of Jimmy Greaves, was Flick Crowley, the only person who looked like she wanted to be in this pub less than he did, and Drake pushed towards her. On his way, he elbowed Frank Wanderley. Sorry, Frank. That's quite all right. The duty sergeant clasped his hands together. Tall and gaunt, and with not a single hair on his head, everybody at the Nick...